This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Wednesday, 14th of December, 2022. And it looks like after yesterday's action, we can declare that maybe at least this CPI circus is over with at least uh, the one-way circus that we saw over the previous releases where a softer or weaker uh, release would see the price action persisting through uh, to the close of the day. So yesterday, of course, we got that slightly softer U.S. CPI than expected. All the numbers coming in a little bit softer. And we saw the usual uh, suspects out. Uh, and as as we've argued, probably a lot of that derivatives exposure uh, taking uh, rates lower, the U.S. dollar lower, and the equity market sharply higher. But as you can see on slide two, and today I put in the the SPY ETF, so it's the ETF that tracks the S&P 500, just to emphasize what happened during the cash session. So, of course, that CPI release is up an hour before the cash session opens. All the impact of that release was in the price uh, or it was in the futures price before the open. And then we saw basically selling all day long, nicely closing the gap to the prior day's close and nicely capping uh, the action was capped at the more or less a slight beat of the prior pivot high. So I think it's, uh, and we closed on the 200 day moving average. So a very nice sort of uh, test in, in all dimensions really ahead of another key event risk, which is today's FOMC meeting. And, and we'll get to that, but um, and we, I don't know when you want to dive into it, Peter, but we saw some interesting reactions across the market. The uh, Apple had some news about its app store in Europe, uh, but Tesla I think is your focus today, but I don't know if you want to run through the baskets uh, as well. Yeah, the reason why I've sorted the baskets on a month to date, and that's because we're two weeks into the to the month, uh, just, just to broaden the perspective a little bit. I don't think it's a big surprise to listeners of this podcast that China's consumer technology stocks have, have done well, given the reopening trajectory the country is on. And then uh, gaming, e-commerce, bubble stocks, sort of the high duration, also cybersecurity have done well. Defense still with the you know increasing commitments left, right, and center from you know yesterday. The U.S. has said they're preparing to approve. Uh, they are going to approve sending Patriot missiles to Ukraine. The EU, EU announced yesterday that they are also uh, launching <clears throat> um, more aid to to provide more you know anti uh, anti drone and anti uh, anti missile defense systems. Um, the big issue being in, here in, in Europe that uh, the the German anti uh, anti missile system that have been provided are requiring uh, um, ammunition that is produced in Switzerland and they're apparently holding back. So um, anyway, so the defense have done well and then. I think it's a little bit, uh, and that it's a good segue into te uh, to Tesla actually, because the green transformation basket that we had there, it's is the worst performer. So in the uh, we have divided the energy spectrum into renewable energy sources, which are producing energy, also nuclear power, and then we have energy storage, which is sort of the storage of energy. Uh, it could be batteries, fuel cells, and then we have the green transformation, which is essentially companies that are fueling this green transformation and uses of energy. And here you have electric uh, vehicles in it. And if you look at Tesla yesterday, so they it actually attempted to rally, and then it was forcefully sold off. We we um we closed close to close down four percent for Tesla shares, and a lot of headlines about you know demand is weak in China. We already know that that's new new news. So I was sort of uh, scratching my head while we were talking about this. I think there was actually the uh, the Volkswagen CEO's comments yesterday that. They're really seeing, and we have talked about it on this podcast, uh, I think a couple of months ago, that how can you how can you power on an electrification of the transportation sector, and specifically in passenger vehicles, when you have an energy crisis and you're lacking baseload? 
it's just simply impossible. So there are forces at play now that Tesla can't really, uh, you know, can't really deal with in a good way because they don't control it. And and Volkswagen is saying that growth is coming down for EVs. It's it's still strong in the US, but that's because of the Inflation Act and growth is coming down in China. We still have prices, very high prices on on uh, on battery materials. So the price point is getting too excessive. And the running cost of an electric vehicle when you have an energy or electricity crisis is just unbearable. So now we have it, 160. We're below the 200-day moving average in, in Tesla shares. That's the first time since October 2019. And we're closing, uh, or we're getting close to levels we haven't seen since November 2020. And I think there could be a cascading effect because we, we know there's a huge overlap between Tesla ownership and uh, Kathy Wood's uh, technology spectrum and then and crypto holdings. So uh, I, I think this is a fascinating story that is unfolding. And I've said, it so many times in the podcast this podcast this bear market isn't over until not the fat lady thinks but when tesla hits a very rock bottom price so tesla is the fat lady okay yeah um, <laughs> yeah let's uh let's have a look at today's big event risk just a, a little preview here and i, and I, I really think uh, i was saying and some rather disorganized thoughts in the internal morning meeting we had that I'm, I'm not so sure we see much from the the fed today because i'm not sure they can deliver much relative to what they delivered in september uh, in terms of really shifting the market expectations because the market has its own forecast for where inflation is headed and therefore what the Fed will eventually do, regardless of how much the Fed tries to push back. The Fed only has, at this point in the cycle, probably power over the next, uh, let's say, two meetings, maybe three meetings uh, in terms of uh, uh, shifting guidance. So uh, I think it will be if we get a strong market reaction, it'll be because the market has something else on its mind. And this was going to pivot perhaps away from the easing financial conditions, maybe to a little bit of risk off some consolidation after what has, after all, been a tremendous uh, bear market rally. As you can see there on slide two, that uh, at least the SPY, the ETF tracking the S&P 500 rallying some 18 percent off of the lows. So let's go to slide four, just a, re a refresh on where the September staff economic projections were. We'll get a new uh, refresh of this today with December's meeting. And I'd suspect that the key ones for next year will not be shifted significantly or for, for this year for that matter, because now we're close to the end of the year. The PCE projection at the core 4.5% looks fairly realistic if we do see the deceleration to the 4.7% expected for the November data. That's only 0.2% lower from that. Uh, people were pointing to some annualized inflation figures uh, after the CPI release uh, yesterday that uh, show that we're you know rapidly decelerating on all fronts now. So that, and and you know why should they adjust the 2023 forecast when actually they're coming in these inflation numbers uh, coming in lower than expected? So I don't expect any major adjustments on the forward economic projections. I think the most they can do would be on the. Fed funds projections, and you can see on the right there where they were in September. The most hawkish scenario I can imagine would be a five to five and a quarter projection uh, for the dot plot median, and maybe more likely to see the four, four and three quarters to five percent, but still not a massive shift. The interesting thing being, as I pointed out before, that the market, and I didn't put the market dot for 2023, but the market is getting down in the low fours already uh, for the end of next year, and the market is already at around three and a half or below for end of 2024. So maybe also interesting to see where they put the projections for the 2024. Again, the big caveat being the market has its own view and the market is not going to put much into it. It doesn't appear Fed guidance on anything beyond the next couple of meetings. So uh, Powell may try to beat his chest at the press conference, but I think in the end, the market has its own agenda and is going to do what it wants to do with or without uh, the FOMC today. And if we look to, uh, forward to the dollar here, the dollar reaction, somewhat interestingly, sticking more than the equity market reaction because we did see U.S. yields uh, quite a bit lower all across the curve, the Fed being marked lower. And so we saw euro dollars to new high 
uh, sorry, the euro dollar exchange rate to new high, uh, well above 106 at one point, as I show on slide five there. Uh, the ideal projection, if this is a very perfect uh, Elliott wave, uh, three wave uh, progression would have been something like 106.50. We got slightly above there. Uh, that's based on the correction back to 102.22. Uh, so let's see the following reaction. I think uh, the only source of uh, dollar strength here would be weak risk sentiment, uh, in my view, unless 10-year uh, yields start to pick back up again uh, above that 3.5% level significantly. And just pointing out that the Canadian dollar and the, the Kiwi dollar just still at, at remarkable extremes, I think, uh, looking for some mean reversion there. We have a Q3 GDP report out from New Zealand tonight. Uh, perhaps, Ole, I think you've mentioned it as well. It, it feels maybe like the whole China reopening story, even though that process continues. There's a lot of COVID loose in China. Maybe <clears throat> that, uh, that story could be in for a bit of a correction or for a bit of a pause here. Well, it uh, does uh, seem, uh, well, the, the, the commodity market seems to be to a certain point, uh, indicating that, but uh, yesterday was just a, a general uh, risk on day where we saw crude oil uh, raise higher. But as you can see here on slide six, uh, the recovery we've seen so far is relatively shallow compared to the to the weakness that we saw ahead of it. But uh, there is some short term worries in China regarding the the number of cases having an impact. But overall, the rule or the changes from the government will obviously ensure a recovery uh, in the in the months ahead. So um, we saw that also in OPEC's uh, monthly oil market report that came out yesterday. We are waiting for the one from IEA that will probably be out by the time this podcast is released. But uh, OPEC uh, saw a bit of a Weak start to the year, and then, but still, uh, robust uh, demand as we had had deep, headed deeper into into 2023, uh, because they're also basically citing a recovery in, in Chinese demand. So a weak uh, winter here is what we're going through in terms of demand. We also saw a major downgrade in price forecast from Goldman Sachs. They've been behind the market or chasing the market down uh, throughout this uh, past six months. They now lowered their forecast to ninety dollars from one hundred and ten. So um, we, we're settling in at these lower levels until we get into into spring and basically get a firmer idea about what the demand outlook looks like and also what the supply look, outlook looks like because we're still waiting for news from Russia regarding how they're going to deal with the, the country that has introduced a price cap against them. In the oil market today, just watch out for the EIA report later today. We saw quite a big surprise in the uh, from the API yesterday reported nearly an 8 million barrel increase in, in crude stocks. The market was looking for a drop. A lot of that is just simply due to the week-on-week volatility in exports and imports. So, um, so that's probably going to explain that one. So, the impact was relatively, relatively limited. If I should just carry on and just finish off the commodity space, I just put in the um, the the gold chart because we t- we talked about yesterday that the next forty-eight hours could be quite could set the trend for uh, for gold and silver into the in ahead of and into the early parts of the new year. And uh, we did get this upside move yesterday. We are at around that 1808 level in gold right now. It looks like we're struggling a bit. So we, again, as John said, it's it's difficult to see whether we're going to get any major surprise from the FOMC today. And and with that in mind, there is potentially a risk that we just we need this market just to retrace a bit lower, just to to get some fresh uh, oxygen uh, before potentially pushing high again later on. But uh, the rally that's really been impressive has been silver, as I put in the tweet yesterday. It took. The market 15 weeks to recover half of what it lost during an 82-week period uh, from from September 2021 or February 2021. So uh, just like just like gold, I think silver is also potentially n- in the need of uh, of some kind of consolidation here. So we'll know that by by tonight or by tomorrow, basically. Yeah. So interesting is the is the market really champing at the bit to continue this risk on squeeze, just giving uh, the Fed a bit of respect. 
to see how much it's going to push back. I think the Fed will try to push back, but it's not terribly worried about the situation because it does see the inflation levels coming down. So will animal spirits find new fuel here because the Fed is not standing in the way? Or is there another agenda afoot as we look into next year and uh, concerns about recession? I'm not sure we get all the answers to those questions today, but I think that's where the market is is sort of pivotal today. All right. Besides Tesla, Peter, what are your stocks to watch today? I'm seeing your overview here on slide eight. Yeah. So in uh, in European hours, uh, before trading uh, started, we had uh, earnings coming in from Inditex, which is the um, the parent company of Sora and other brands, uh, which are well known globally. They they reported nine month results ending in October that were pretty much in line with uh, with the revenue and and operating income estimates. You could argue slightly above, um, but it's only slightly. But more importantly, the uh, the fourth quarter have actually seen a pretty strong start. So that's uh, that's the positives. And and then on the negative side, they they are actually seeing a, a meaningful decline in their um, in their in their growth margin. So. It's not all. Uh, it's not all rosy. It's. I, I think it's a pretty mixed. And I think with the, the outlook we have for um for the um for the 2023 with you know margin pressure, uh, consumer discretionary continuing to be under pressure, uh, we're going to get an earnings recession. What type of recession economically we're we going to get, uh, will continue to linger, or be you know dark clouds over over Inditex. But the shares uh, the shares of Inditex uh, are up one percent. As we're speaking right now, uh, the two others uh, you mentioned it. We have already talked about uh, Tesla, so uh, so that's obviously a key one to uh, to watch. And then Apple, you you mentioned it, that we have this new uh, digital services regulation in the EU, and I, I really you know EU the EU doesn't have the same to lose from very strict regulation as the that as the EU or the European companies are not dominating the technology industry, and that's also why we it's it would be natural to continue to see the eu being on the forefront and, and push the boundaries of the regulation against the technology sector and the us being more in at the back seat uh, because there's also employment and profits uh, at stake for the us so but this new eu regulation is forcing apple to allow third-party app stores on its devices and that of course will allow uh, companies to circumvent the pay cut the 30 percent pay cut that you you otherwise pay in the uh, in the app store so how much of a, an impact this will have on, on profitability of Apple is unknown at this stage uh, because is it, is it also backward or is it only on, on new business? If it's only on new business, then I think the, the impact will be uh, quite marginal at this point in time. But um, very curious to see how the market reacts to this news. All right. And then on the earnings front, we've kind of previewed a lot of these companies. We are highlighting trip.com today. Yeah, because we we have we, we talked about Inditex and we we have talked about Lenar and some of the other U.S. home builders. I don't think there is a lot of new news. So Trip.com obviously is is a play on you uh, on China reopening. And as you can see, apologizing for the small size, but I I, I didn't want to sort of uh, uh, you know pull it over the 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 price chart here on slide nine. But um, what you can see here is that there was a pretty aggressive expectations for the outlook for next year for Trip.com. It's the China's largest uh, agency of travel services uh, done online. So um, it and it was if I had brought out the the share price, you would have seen that you know, already from 2010 to 2016, 17-ish, this was a, a blockbuster stock. It was a stock that even Drogenmiller was uh, uh, talking about on TV as one of his uh, one of his big bets. And you know, it was really playing into the hands of a growing middle class in China. It was a strong business model with the staple margins. And then ever since 2016, we all know the story about China, one roadblock after the after another. You know, more chaotic, uh, uh, you know, growth dynamics, etc. And and now the uh, and now the whole 
you know, very strict COVID policies have, of course, made travel very, very difficult. But um, this is the this is the stock to watch if you if you want to play that reopening. Okay, let's uh, fast forward to the macro calendar. The FOMC meeting today, Fed uh, Chair Powell with his press conference, of course, 30 minutes after, as per usual. We'll watch for that uh, Australian jobs data and a lot of Chinese data and the Chinese rate decision overnight with the four central banks meeting tomorrow and all in various engaging in various degrees of uh, what the Fed is doing as well, which is slowing down or at least anticipating their slowdown uh, and approaching the uh, terminal rates of the respective tightening regimes in coming meetings. How thoroughly do they signal that? The Noise Bank has already been out kind of saying it's it's nearing the end, less so the others, although the Bank of England did say the last time around that they thought that they their terminal rate would be lower than where the market was projecting, at least the, the last time around. November retail sales, an interesting one out of the U.S. Uh, we saw a very strong one for October. That would sit uncomfortably with, uh, of course, with the narrative around U.S. incoming recession, weaker inflation, if that data point is particularly strong. But uh, let's see what it delivers. And then the first round of uh, PMI is coming up for the manufacturing and services sector on Friday for December. So that's interesting as well to see how especially Europe is dealing with this overhang of very high energy prices, uh, as we've seen in recent months. All right. I think it's an interesting pivot point potentially for markets and it almost has to be a pivot point either way when you have such an important event risk. And as we're coming into year end, uh, do we see the market emboldened because the Fed is not standing in its way? Or is this a uh, an opportunity for shorts to get involved again because we have to look forward to uh, potentially and arguably a recession coming in next year? There's not a whole lot of signs of fear out there, but it was an interesting day yesterday, nonetheless, uh, an interesting setup into today's event risk. We'll see what happens, and we'll, of course, take a look at it again tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>